So brothers and sisters, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I welcome you today to uh, our second episode, I guess it would be, of Drive-In Church. Uh, and I thank you for all those folks that came out, and I am thankful for all you folks that are listening at home. Uh, so let's begin the service today with a word of prayer. Father God, grant today we ask the grace to love what you command, to desire what you promise, so that amid all the uncertainties of this world, our heart may be fixed on you through Jesus Christ, your Son, whose kingdom we seek every time that we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our first uh, scripture reading of the day is uh, an abridged reading from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll be beginning in verse 4, where Paul writes, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raises us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our second reading is also a New Testament reading from the epistle of James, chapter 1. And he writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that concludes our two uh, initial scripture readings for the day, uh, and I invite you to join me in prayer for uh, your needs for the needs of this country and for the needs of the world uh, because we know that we have a God that hears and answers when we pray. So let's go to him this morning. Father God, we thank you for, uh, for leading us and for loving us. We thank you for being our shepherd and our protector. We thank you that you promised never to leave us or forsake us and that by your grace, we thank you that you have purchased us as a people for yourself by the blood of your son. And because of all of that, Lord, we know uh, you desire to share our needs and to hear our concerns. And, and so today, Father, we pray for uh, all of those needs that are heavy on our hearts. 
Uh, all of us here, I'm sure, are carrying special needs and intentions that we want to bring before your throne today. And so, Father, uh, we ask that you would receive those now as we raise them up in the silence of our hearts and minds. And Father, we pray for those whose uh, daily needs are going unmet in this difficult time. We pray for those whose lives have been shattered by the plague of this coronavirus that has uh, afflicted not just this country but the world. Father, we pray for the families of those who are sick and with those who have lost loved ones that they may come to know your peace. We ask you, Father, to strengthen our doctors and nurses and all medical professionals who are seeking to bring healing and relief to those they care for. We ask, Father, that you would continue to be with our president and our vice president, the governor of our state, and continue to give them the wisdom and foresight they need to govern in these unexpected times. Shield our military and all first responders as they continue to protect and to serve us in harm's way. And Father, we ask that you would bless the tithes and offerings that your people continue to bring, that uh, we may have the privilege to give back to you in thankfulness what you have given to us in kindness. And we ask you, Father, to use them to extend your kingdom and to glorify your name. And we ask you, Father, to accept this worship that we lift up before you uh, in this precious time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to our sermon portion this morning, and as I look around, I immediately want to ask, how's everybody doing? Right? How are you doing? Are you, are you getting stir-crazy yet after being in two weeks of lockdown mode? Are you starting to get a little tired of seeing the people that you have to live with? Someone actually said to me that they really needed to find out just how long this quarantine and social distancing thing is... Uh, going to last because his wife keeps trying to get back into the house. <laughs> but, ser but seriously, though, at, uh, at times like this, we can all start to get on each other's nerves, can't we? I know you, you wives have probably been going around saying to yourselves, uh, if that husband of mine does that one more time, I'm going to scream. Uh, fellas, uh, if, if you're like me, you're usually somewhat more sanguine, you, you don't get ruffled all that easily, but have just been repeating over and over to yourself that wise old proverb that uh, this says a deaf husband and a blind wife are always a happy couple. Uh, if you have kids at home during this time, um, well, all I can say to that is make sure you remember to pray for Vicky and me, but truthfully, I'm sure it hasn't been a picnic for them either. Because, you know, honestly, all of our breaking points get stretched at a time like this. You know, but thankfully for you, and especially for me, we have a loving Heavenly Father whose endurance and patience and loving kindness is supremely higher than ours. In fact, it's actually part of His nature to be that way. Uh, and we actually read about it last week, but didn't get to touch on it or comment on it. But it's way too vital and much too important to just pass by. And so we're going to take a quick look back at just the last three verses of Psalm 86 from last week. So if you're following along in your Bibles, I invite you to join me in Psalm 86, uh, beginning in verse 15. And the psalmist writes, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaiden. 
Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let's take just a moment of prayer before we go any further. And Lord, we thank you as we receive today this gift of your word as we come to the message. We thank you, Father, that it was you who caused all of these holy scriptures, and including these psalms, to be written for our learning. And so teach us today in the power of your Holy Spirit the truths that you would have us to learn. And I ask you now, Father, to quicken the hearts of your people and to convict the minds of any that don't know you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for, uh, for any of you that have been in Sunday school class or in Bible study, and, and let me just say, boy, how I, I miss those. I hope you do too. Uh, but if you've been here for any of those, you've heard me explain that in the uh, original Hebrew text of the Old Testament, uh, you know, there's no use of, of exclamation points or, or highlighting or italics or underlying, anything like that to show that the author is wanting to really emphasize a particular part of their message. And so in Hebrew, the way an author would highlight an important principle is by repetition. And so when you see a, a word or an idea or a passage repeated several times, it's a really good idea to pay close attention to it. And uh, this psalm that I just read for you has a verse that's repeated almost verbatim seven times in Scripture. You find it in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. Psalm 103, verse 8. Psalm 145, verse 8. The prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 13. The prophet Jonah, chapter 4, verse 2. The prophet Nahum, chapter 1, verse 3. And of course, uh, you find it here in today's psalm uh, to show us over and over again just what God is like, uh, how kind and merciful He is, and that He is a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast mercy. Uh, and we really, we began to approach the idea a little bit last week as we saw six things that David says God does for those that know him as their savior. Uh, number one on that list he gave us was that God preserves us. Number two, he said that God gives us joy. He goes on to say God teaches us. Number four, that he delivers us from hell. Uh, and completes that by saying God helps us and comforts us. And David tells us those are just some of the things that God does for us, but this same psalm also shows David giving us a number of things, uh, not just that God does, but that God is, or, or what theologians would call God's attributes. And we could spend, if we had the right format and the right time, hours and days parsing out those ideas of God's internal attributes. But, you know, I think a, a post from another pastor really gets to the heart of the matter a little quicker and much better than a lot of theological jargon. And uh, he writes that a fifth grade teacher in a, a Christian school in El Segundo, California, asked her class to look at some TV commercials uh, and, and then see ways to make those advertising slogans communicate ideas about God instead. Uh, and so here's some of what the kids came up with talking about God's uh, attributes. Uh, one child wrote, God is like Coke because he's the real thing. Another one said, God is like Hallmark cards because he cares enough to send his very best. Another child said, God is like Tide because he gets the stains out that others leave behind. <laughs> 
Another child said, God is like General Electric. He brings good things to life. Another said, God is like Allstate because you're in good hands with him. Another clever little kid said, God is like Dial Soap. Aren't you glad you have him? And don't you wish everybody did? But I think my favorite uh, is the one that wrote, God is like Maxwell House, good to the last drop. And that's where I want to start today with God's goodness, because even though that's not the first attribute that David mentions, I start there because, as, as I think you'll agree, all the other attributes I mentioned actually flow from the fact of God's goodness. Because the recognition of God's goodness is the thing that will sustain you and me and will help us to see beyond our earthly trials and into the essential goodness of our God of grace. Uh, and you know, two words here that are really important in our Christian vocabulary, uh, grace and mercy, sometimes not all that easy to understand. They're words that have similar meanings, but kind of in opposite ways. You know, when it comes to mercy, God's mercy is when he doesn't give us what we actually deserve. Because, brothers and sisters, the Bible says we deserve judgment. It says we deserve hell and alienation from God because of our sin and our rebellion against him. But that if we'll trust in him for our salvation, then in his mercy, he promises not to give us those things that our life warrants. See, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us his great mercy. His great mercy in what we call grace. Or just another word then for his unmerited favor. Uh, doing for us things we couldn't earn and that we don't deserve, but that he graciously and compassionately extends to you and me. Uh, and I want you to think about, about this for a minute when it comes to his grace and his compassion and his mercy and his love, because sometimes these words get all conflated. Like, did you ever think of the, the difference between the ideas of compassion versus pity? I mean, again, another two words that are really similar, but there's one very important difference because pity is only the emotional response to something that makes you sad. Compassion, on the other hand, compels you to act on that emotion, to do something about it. Like, for instance, suppose you, you see a homeless person on the street and as you, you pass by, your heart goes out to them and you maybe wonder how they got into that state and how awful it must be, but then you walk right on past them and you don't do anything for them. With that moment, what you've experienced is the mere emotion of pity. But compassion is pity plus action. You'd be showing compassion by not simply feeling pity for that homeless person, but by doing the work of compassion, by giving them something to eat or taking them one of your extra coats or, or even just saying hello and acknowledging that that individual is still a person made in God's image. You see the difference there? And now having seen that, aren't you glad God didn't just have pity on us? That he didn't just look over the portals of heaven and say, well, look at those poor little things down there. They're so filled with pain and, and brokenness and sorrow. Boy, that's too bad. And then just have him go about his business doing nothing for us. But no, you see, God looked at our sinful condition at all the pain and the suffering that sin brings. And he didn't just have pity on us. He had compassion. He did something about what he saw and just like Hallmark cards, he cared enough to send his very best. His very best in Jesus Christ. Just, just as the Bible tells us 
in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Bible is also quick to remind us in the book of Hebrews, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Because, you know, brothers and sisters, God is patient with us, but someday that patience is going to run out. So come to Him today. Come to Him today before it's everlastingly too late and repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus who paid the debt of our sin and wipes the slate clean forever, all because the God of the universe condescended to stand in our place and to make a way to Him. He didn't just sit by and hand out platitudes and axioms like someone observing from a distance. He didn't just remain a spectator to the life and death struggles around us. He got right into the middle of them. He touched the sick. He tackled demons. He comforted the downtrodden and He took up the cross all to tell you and me, I'm here. I'm right here. Our Lord God, who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping mercy, the Bible says, for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and doing it all through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh, who didn't just... Uh, sit idly by and watch the world go to hell, but one who stepped right into the middle of our grief and pain and dirt and blood, right into the center of our lives and bears them with us, even though it cost him his own. And doing it so that today, if you claim by faith that Jesus' death on the cross was for you and in your place, you can leave here today with hope. You can leave here today with that same hope that David proclaimed in Psalm 86, and we can pray with him, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, because you, O Lord, have helped and comforted me. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your help and for your hope and for your comfort. We thank you that you were willing to uh, get right into all the, the ugliness and dirtiness and messiness of our lives to let us know that we have a God who cares. And so we ask you to be with us in these days ahead, that you would give us your peace and your comfort, and you would help us know, Father, of your grace and your mercy through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.